We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Finding Peace Podcast. My guest today is Cher. Cher is a master intimacy and relationship coach, and she also has been trained using the Finding Peace model along with somatic energy training. She uses all of that to be able to create a holistic wellness experience for her clients. So as you listen, you're going to hear that she's she's done a lot of work. She's done a lot of introspection. She's been involved in Al-Anon for a while. And so she is able to walk through this process in a beautiful, beautiful way. Please welcome me in joining Cher to the Finding Peace podcast as she sits in the healing seat. Well, and good morning. Thank you for doing this with me. I'm excited. Yeah. 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 I spent some time reviewing my materials again last night and this morning and doing my story and my worksheet again on a new topic. And so it felt really good and congruent to do that. Awesome. Do you want me to share my screen to give you prompts or do you? Okay. Because I do do that for people to help them a little bit. Oh, so can fine. you tell us a little bit about um can you tell us a little bit about the issue that you would like to have more peace and joy about? Yeah, every time I get a text message or see my daughter's name show up on my phone, I get instant anxiety and fear and dread and sadness and all the emotions that come with that because it's usually connected to her asking for money. So The fact Mm. is, when my daughter sends me a message, it is to ask for something. And it means it's something important, like she doesn't have food or rent. And I haven't had peace around that for so long due to her addiction. Mm. What what is it about that that produces so much anxiety for you? It, It immediately puts me back into how I grew up. I fought to get out of poverty and my mom was on welfare. And we were sometimes homeless or hungry. And then I did all this work in my mind to heal and grow and change the opportunities in my life. And now my daughter is an identical mirror to my mother. So it's Mm. like I'm being thrown back into my childhood about starvation and lack. Right. So when you see the text message or you see her name come up on the caller ID, that is when it hits. Instantly. I mean, instantly, my whole body just, like, contracts. So what wound does that hit for you when? Yeah, yeah. wow, that's a good one. Because I think about with my relationship with my daughter, what it brings up, and then my relationship to self based on growing up that way. Because with my daughter, it's like a huge loss and, um, of course, abandonment because she was missing for years and then she was missing as a drug addict in her body and betrayal 
Mm. and abuse because she was very abusive at times. And so was her drug dealer, boyfriends, et cetera, threatening to kill me. So it kind of brings up a lot of those. I don't know about neglect as much, but definitely the um, betrayal and the loss. Tell me about her being gone for a while. Yeah. So after she started, she was clean for seven years and it was just a miracle. It was just a miracle to me. And then she had my granddaughter. And I think that the whole birth and deciding not to be in relationship caused her, for whatever reason, to start using again. And then we had to take away from my granddaughter's safety. I took her away from my daughter and she went missing on the streets for about four years. And it's pretty cold in Canada in the winter time. And so I knew she was homeless out there at minus 40 or not alive. And that was a really yeah. hard really hard time I can't even imagine I don't I mean it didn't matter how many detectives I hired or what I did we couldn't find her because she didn't want to be found wow so a lot of wounds get stirred up just by seeing her name on the caller ID just you also and you also identified that it's also tied to wounds that you had growing up. So when you look at the wounds you had growing up, what would you say those wounds are? Definitely abandonment. Uh, my mom would just leave and she'd go off with another man at times and we'd have no idea if she was coming back. And I was the oldest and I had three younger siblings. And so I was the caretaker and I was trying to take care of them. So there was definitely neglect and um a lot of physical abuse and sexual abuse resulted in it because my father left my mom and she didn't have the mental abilities to take care of four kids by herself. So it only got worse. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you. The, it, the it fact is, that you've turned out as amazing as you are says a lot about your character, but I'm so sad that you had to go through all of that. I think it's what made me stronger and, you know, ultimately, you know, it's like iron sharpens iron. I truly believe that. So when I look at things that scare me or cause my attachment wounds to get triggered, I really want to find out why and what I can do differently because it's, it really hinders a lot of my, my life when I'm dealing with this one person who's very mm -hmm. important to me because it's my one and only. Right. Yeah. So when those wounds get stirred up, what's the core belief that gets activated for you? Typically, my core belief is like, I'm not good enough, not smart enough. I didn't work hard enough, mm. the whole thing enough. Or maybe not I worked enough. too much. You know, I wasn't a good enough mom. That's why she went to drugs. Mm. Yeah. And when you think about the wounds from growing up, what's the core belief there? I wasn't lovable. I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough for them to want to keep because I was adopted at 12 and nobody fought to keep me. And so that was the one thing I was really intent on with my daughter was staying single so I could spend as much time with her as mm -hmm. I could and not introduce any unknown male into her life um, from a safety perspective. So I just felt right. like there was nobody took care for my safety either. Yeah. So as those wounds and those core beliefs get activated, what do you end up feeling? 
Usually it's sadness. When I see her text message, it's immediately fear of like what's happening now. Um, but it quickly, like within a second, goes immediately to sadness because I know that it's she wants something. And it's not about the something she wants, because for a long time, it was easier to just give her what she wanted than it was to address whatever the issue was until I realized one day. And of course, thank you to my all my training, but also going to my program of Al-Anon that I was actually able to say, I'm giving her these things so that I can make myself feel more comfortable. So there there was this realization that was like, oh, I'm not doing it for her. I'm actually doing it to soothe my emotions, to know that she's not living on the street. She's in a hotel I've provided. So yeah. I could take care of, you know, that momentarily. But now I have a, an, an agreement with myself and with my husband that I'm not going to just jump and pay for things until we've had a conversation. Mm. It's really uncomfortable, Troy. Oh. It's really uncomfortable because... <laughs> If I had no means to do it, it would be so much easier just to say no. Right. But when I have the means and I know it's still wrong, it's a real challenge. Oh, just tugs on your heartstrings. It does, especially when there's children involved. You know, if it was just her, it would be like, okay, I'm sorry, but after multiple treatment centers and educations and et cetera, you need to grow up. But when there's children involved, it makes it a different level of the playing field. So different. It is so different. Yeah. I get it. Totally get it. All right. So as that's happening, then what shadows of shame show up for you? Sometimes it's the rebel and it's just like, forget it. I don't even know why I had a kid. (laughs) It's like, I don't (laughs) have one anyway. Screw her kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sick of this. I'm going to block her. Um, kind of thing. And um, definitely the judge, because Mm. you didn't do this right. You didn't spend enough time with her. You shouldn't have divorced her father. You know, these are the things. Um, And then the impotent one really feels like, okay, I give up. You know, I've just done, Mm. you know, kind of like Pooh Bear. I'm like, I've just done it all. And now it's done. And I can't do anything to fix it. And which I know is not true. I know I always have choice. But in that moment, that's that also is showing up and screaming kind of at me a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. What does your judge look like? It looks like my mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like my mom standing over me. And um, she's a was a very big figure and human. And so I just feel like this huge physical presence standing over me and shaking their finger at me. And what are some of the things that she says? Well, you know what it's like to be a parent. You watched me. Why didn't you do it differently? You're such a failure. doesn't matter everything else you did. Um, see, you're no different than me. And that's kind of what I hear from it. Hmm. And what does the impotent one look like for you? The impotent one is really small. It's almost like I could put it in my pocket. And it's just like my little, my inner child. And it's just Mm. like, you've done everything you can. Why don't you pay attention to me? You know, heal me, help me. And Mm. um, that, and it's just this little squeaky voice. that's just learning to use her voice. Very small. Mm -hmm. Like a little Polly Pocket. Yeah. Like a little Polly Pocket. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly it. And then uh, the rebel. 
the rebel's my dad with his middle finger up going, screw y'all. I get to have my own life. And this is, you know, I work for a living and nobody can tell me what to do and blah, blah, blah. So, and I can do what I want with my money. I don't need to talk to my husband about it because I earn my own money. You know. (laughs) So even though I've already made this agreement and I want to honor that agreement, that rebel is screaming at me like, you don't owe anybody an explanation. Do Mm. what you want. You don't owe your husband an explanation? Yeah. Yeah. Because I've rationalized in my brain that I earned the money. So, which is Mm. not true. And I know that. But it's <laughs> it's then going, now hold on a second. If you want to honor your agreements, you need to do what you said you're going to do for your own health and well-being. Yeah. So that's I what I have it. to do. I have to turn back to the rebel and go, no, you know, I'm in this relationship I've made a commitment to. And this is my agreement. So I can't just go do that, whether it's my resources, his resources, or a combination. So how do these shadows of shame affect your relationship with your daughter and the relationship with your husband? Well, with my daughter, it's almost like I just don't want to deal with her. Because the minute I see that, because she lives in Canada, and so she's far away. And I usually, pre-COVID, would see her three or four times a year. Now it's maybe once a year. So, you know, I hesitate to want to call. I'm nervous to open up the text for a while. Um, so it just makes it look like I'm staring back at my childhood and she looks like my mother. So when I mm. see photos of her, she looks so much like my mom and I look at her children that she has custody of and I think that's a little me being abused or being neglected. So it just it makes me want to stay away from her. Mm-hmm. So they do a really good job of helping with that. Yeah. Yeah, they block the plan- the pain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they run interference for you. Mm-hmm. They're like, you, you've had enough. You, you can't take anymore. It's almost like I'm a full sponge that hasn't fully been wrung out enough to, to start mm-hmm. being able to cope with it again. How would you like to want to respond to her instead? I'd like to be able to respond with an open heart, with more understanding and empathy for the choices she's made, that this is the life that she's chosen and there's nothing I can do about it, which is a really hard thing for me to say because I believe I can move mountains and on my own will. And then, you know, I think with my higher powers will, I'm like, I can make this change. I can fix this for her. And I just want to have some peace around the fact that this this isn't something for me to fix anymore. Hmm. All right. So there's a part of you that says that you have to you're supposed to fix this. Yeah, I'm her mom. I'm I'm hmm. I'm supposed to make things better for her. And that's what the that's what the judge says, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you you this is all you. You have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I made the decision to raise her on my own right after she was about two years old. So I even put more pressure on myself because I was like, you're the one and only. You made this decision. You wanted to do this without her father. And it was because he was an alcoholic and I couldn't trust him. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm i the one who raised her. So I can't go, well, you know, that person over there, that's their responsibility because it was just me. All right. So... As they run interference, what do they 
get you to do to numb or protect yourself so that you don't have to deal with it for a little while? Sometimes it's um, work. I throw myself into work because that Mm. validates my worth in my mind that, okay, if I don't feel like I'm powerful and I can make a difference over here, then I'll go spend more time mentoring people, learning something new, (laughs) you know, busy work. And, um, and then I run into an exhaustion at a point and I just go, I just will watch TV or something to check out for a little bit. So it, it can be that or exercise. So those three things are typically my numbing out behaviors. It used to be food. Um, when I was double my size 20 years ago, I was taught by my mom that you eat if you're happy and if you eat, if you're sad. And so it took mm. a lot of um, brain re, um, relearning for me and it's shifting my mindset that that wasn't a healthy numbing behavior. And I'm not saying any or numb are good numbing behaviors. It's just a different one. And it just showed me how I've changed what I use as a tool. Right. We don't, I don't need to, we don't need to shame the numbing behaviors. We can understand that we've, we're doing those to protect ourselves. They may or may not be healthy, but they're all a way of trying to deal with the pain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think overachievement some, you know, I've always tried to just do better and be a better example for her. And then to also show that I am enough and it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. Yeah. Right. So when you do that, what are the mutated emotions that you end up feeling? Um, Sometimes, well, definitely shame. Shame's a huge one. Um, Mm. Sometimes I feel just plain hopeless. Like nothing's ever going to change. I'm not going to have a relationship with her. Um, and so it's it's usually those two. I am usually have a lot of shame or um, I'm hopeless about the situation. Those are not very happy feelings. No, no. And, it, and then it spills over, obviously, into the rest of my relationships and interactions, which are not healthy. In what way? In what way? Yeah. So if I'm feeling shame um, about my daughter, Uh, and I've made this agreement with my partner, then I'm really nervous to sit down and say to him, hey, I heard from her because he gets really triggered when he hears her name because I don't celebrate Mother's Day. And I remember last year him saying to her, you know, you've ruined eight Mother's Days with my wife because you've hurt her so badly um, because it doesn't even feel like I'm a mother. So it even spills over into my relationship with my spouse. Mm -hmm in me wanting to talk about her approach the subject because I know the response he's going to have initially out of protection. And then it makes it hard to get to him and say, but I have a need here um, Mm. to talk to you about this where I'm not getting another emotional blast. It's like I get one eruption from my daughter. I give myself one and then I get one from him and I'm like, okay, (laughs) I actually need help here processing my emotions. What do you need? I just need acceptance, just to be heard, really just to not expect anything other than just to hear me. And sometimes I'll um, call my sponsor in my Al-Anon program and, you know, do that first before I decide if I want to talk to my partner. But he's very intuitive and empathic. And so if something's going on with me, he knows. And we live so closely together that, uh, and we work from home most of the time, that he knows if something's going on. So I have to be able to talk to him about it. But first, I need to 
modulate my own emotions about it and get clear. And so usually that's when I will reach out to people in my Al-Anon program because they understand what's going on for me. Got it. So I want you to imagine that we have all three of those shadows, the impotent one, the judge, and the rebel, and they're standing there between you and your daughter. I want you to just look at them, and I want you to imagine that you say to them, I see you. I, I see you standing there. And just notice what happens as you tell them that you see them. They're shrinking and backing up quite a bit. It's almost like they were each in front of me um, as I was trying to get to my daughter and the little um, impotent one is in my heart, kind of protecting my heart. Mm. So I want you to ask them, what wound or pain are you trying to prevent me from experiencing? I'm getting hurt again from trusting that people mm. will betray you because it's a common theme in my life and so it's like she betrayed me my mother betrayed me my father did we've had trust issues and issues in our marriage that related to trust and so i have a really strong underlying i'm going to be let down i'm going to be taken advantage of so really trying to protect you from another betrayal. Yes. Yeah, because I feel pretty saturated by that. It's like it hurts to even think about opening up to that again. Mm -hmm. So really when I see her on the phone, I get that anxiety. Like what is, what's happened now? Like from that perspective, mm -hmm. what other, and it's almost like a conversation sometimes I have with my higher power. I'm like, okay, why? Why are we still doing this? Why do I still feel afraid to let people in? Mm -hmm. Well, because you have a massive betrayal wound. Yes. Yeah. And it's still people. healing. And I try to remind myself that because of um, the last year with my spouse and I, the difficult year we had. And I try to remind myself you were just recently re-traumatized and it re-triggered itself. So it opened up again. And, um, but it is, it's definitely stopping me from having a meaningful connection. They're in the way of me even trying to connect with her other than her being a stranger. Yeah. So can you imagine thanking them for trying to take care of your betrayal wound? Yes. Yeah. And what happens? And the the rebel has gone quiet and off into the dark. And mm. the judge is completely silent and I don't even feel his presence. Mm. And the impotent one has just about gone, I mean, just totally in my pocket now instead of holding out my heart. So the path is clear now. They're not loud, okay. they're not big, they're not scary. Beautiful. Uh, if you can just do a, brain, a body scan from the top of your head all the way down to your toes. And I want to ask your body a question now that the shadows are gone. It's just you. What is your new truth? I did the best I could. 
at the time with the tools that I had. And I'm open to learning to have more connection with her. Yeah. My new truth really is I did the very best I could. Hmm. So one of the shadow stories that the core belief is I'm not enough. So when you say I did the best I could, does that mean that I am enough? I can't quite get there, Troy. <laughs> no, I don't think There's... I can quite get there and say I am enough because after when I got remarried seven years ago, I felt like I was enough. I was finally going to be in a safe relationship where, you know, with all my training and all of my work, I thought, okay, this is it. I know how to do this. And when we had our betrayal last year, it just opened everything back up to my childhood mm. again, where my dad Absolutely. cheated on my mom and my mom cheated on my dad. And it rocked my sense of I am enough again, because mm. it, it was something huge for me. And so I want to believe that I need to believe that because I walk around in the world sometimes thinking I have to do more and be more just to be loved and accepted. And it's exhausting. Do you remember what that felt like when you did feel that you were enough? Yeah, it felt whole, light, beautiful. I felt confident in my own skin. I wasn't worried about what was going to happen on the outside. Um, and it was a it was a great feeling. It was peaceful. <laughs> there was connection. There was trust all of those things. And once that um, betrayal got severed again, it was like everything reopened. And now I'm healing it layer by layer to get back up to, you know, the new foundation of our relationship, um, not only with right. my daughter, but with my husband. And they came together at the same time. Her mm. um, having her mishap was not much before we started dating. So the two of them together and they're both addicts. And so it's really interesting how I'm right in the middle <laughs> between two people and, you know, one's not working a program and one works a program. And um, so it's very, very different. So is there any part of that truth that I'm enough that still resides in your body? There's still some, like I can feel it in my gut um, that I am enough. It's when it starts to get to my chest for me to really feel it and know in my heart that I am. And then to speak the words, it's kind of caught right at the heart level where I need to probably do more forgiveness of myself because mm. I'm so hard on myself about her. And okay. um, that'll make it so easy. So what shadow, what shadow is blocking you from being able to move it up into your heart? The judge. Because he's What's still, you know, every once in a while saying, you don't deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't expect anything from anybody. You've got to do it yourself. They're, they're screw ups. Mm. They're okay, only going to so hurt we... you. You should live on your own. <laughs> so you the judge, you, so you said the judge was gone for the moment. He is. Okay. So breathe into where you feel that in your tummy. And what color is it? Gold. What temperature is it? Warm. Like sunlight. And what and what texture is it? 
soft. Okay. And right now, like, what size is it? It's huge. It's like a boulder size. Okay. So breathe into that. With every breath you take, allow it to expand just a little bit more and see if you can have it up through your whole body, through your heart, up to your neck, shoulders, head, if possible. like it's glitter and it's kind of coming up to my heart lighting up the pathway yeah that's that's how it feels it feels like it was a clogged pipe it was almost like having to blast its way up through the clog to get to my to my heart did it do it okay just breathe into that You're enough. You did the best you could. And your daughter's standing there with her hand out, wanting something. What happens? I look at whatever it is she's asking for as if it's like an object in her hand and I'm getting to be curious about what it is instead of immediately reacting. So I'm just kind of looking at it without it judging her or judging me. It's just looking at it as a request, as if a client or a friend asked for something. So non-emotional, whereas Previously, it would be an immediate explosive feeling in my body of emotion. This is more of a curious, let me see if this is something I feel like I can do or not. Hmm. But with compassion, because I look at it and if it was anybody else asking me, I would be the one who'd say, yes, absolutely. But with her before, I couldn't do that. Hmm. So now I look at it with kind of some curiosity of whatever this is, not who she is. And that makes it a little safer and easier to want to still connect with her and not make it about the issue of what she wants. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah, because I really, really miss her. And um, I would like to have some sort of relationship with her, especially as I'm getting older. And um, I want to be able to have that without it being hostile. And also without having to feel like I'm having to get all these other shadows of shame out of the way just to get to her to breathe into that truth again what is it it is light it is acceptance it is connection with her without judgment and being curious about her request not about who she is and and what is the truth truth for me is I am enough and I did everything I could. Uh, So from this place of truth, what do you need? Um, Acceptance and 
probably a little bit of safety and security. So from where can you get it? Um, the acceptance part especially is where I go to my friends in my Al-Anon program, my sisters in that program because we've, we've all had those moments and I remember getting that phone list and thinking years ago, I'm never calling these people and talking about my personal <laughs> business. I'm like, oh, you'd hear the judge there, right? Keep quiet, the politician, mm. keep quiet. Uh, yeah. But now after I've learned to pick up the phone, I know I can be heard and have that safety and security and assurance that I'm doing what's right for me in the moment. Um, and then also go out and do something healthy. I've usually found if I get outside and do some novelty or pleasure, do something that um, I would enjoy, walking on the beach, feeling the sand, uh, mm. that helps me get back into an embodied way. Mm. And for safety? And for safety, really just being able to love myself and mm. to remind myself. And then part of that's my gratitude at night is going back and reminding myself what I'm grateful for instead of marinating on what's happened in the past. So what's going to be different? Because next time I see her uh, request, I will look at it from a curious perspective first, and I'm going to put a little tape on my computer with that word so that it reminds me to be curious versus um, reactionary. And that feels really light and easeful for me because of being in the helping profession. I want to help others. And I'm curious about what they show up and share with me. And so why, you know, it would be wonderful to be able to do that with my own child. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it would Thank be you. really interesting. Thank you for doing this with me today. How Thank are you, you feeling? Thank you for doing it with me. It's been amazing. I feel so much lighter and cleaner. Like I said, it. Um, I'm a sparkle glitter gal. So for me, it's kind of like it eroded all that negative stuff. And it's like, whew, perfect, perfect. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. So good. Well, thank you for spending time with me and the listeners. I'm glad. I hope it. I hope it uh, gives somebody a new visual too, because it really just opened up a lot for me today. So I'm grateful for the process and for your program. Thank you. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you love the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to findingpeaceconsulting.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace five-day challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It really does help other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And a special thanks to Johnny Porter for producing the show and A.G. Flux for the new background music. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.